pray that you would find that peace, amen, that God has for you, amen. He doesn't want you battling and struggling, amen. He wants you to let it go, amen, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to change the service, take our special needs to the Lord, and then some musicians play that softly. Man, I'd like to ask Brother Mark Sylvester if he would make ready to take these needs to the Lord for us. Amen. And to mention these, uh, we want to remember Sister Shirley Buchanan. Amen. She is uh, dealing with a lung infection. Amen. We ask that God would touch her, so pray for her. Uh, we have a prayer request for Sister Connie Hughes. Remember her in prayer. Uh, Brother Roger Clayville as well. Had a, episode where he fell and hit his head, had to have some stitches put in it, amen, brother's been through a lot, we want to just pray that God would just help him touch his body and deliver him from this condition he's dealing with, let's remember uh, brother Ben and sister Rachel uh, Pritchard, they're not with us today, uh, have a prayer request for sister Karen Buchanan to remember her in prayer, Brother and Sister uh, Smith also as well are not with us to remember them in prayer. Um, we also have some prayer requests. Uh, these are from my wife. She says to pr- please pray for a couple that she cleans for. Uh, the lady is 91 years old and found out that she has cancer. and She is deciding that she's not going to have treatment. Praying that she does not suffer. Amen. She is, she's a dear uh, friend to my wife. I pray that you would remember her in prayer. We're just praying that God would heal her and deliver her from this disease. Amen. Also, please remember my Aunt Sherry in prayer. Amen. She's dealing with some gout in her hand. It's very painful. If you could remember her in prayer. I have one more request. Uh, it says to pray for. Meister, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, he broke a limb. A limb broke on a tree, and he was injured. He's five years old. He's in critical condition. Condition. Amen. This is from Sister Karen. Did I pronounce that name right? So let's remember this young child in prayer that was injured. Amen. That's all I have at this time. I would ask if you have any unspoken prayer requests. Amen. God sees the need on your heart. Amen. We'll pray with you. Come on, brother. Mark. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are thankful again, Lord, and always thankful when we have an opportunity to come into your house, Father. Sometimes, Lord, we look forward to it more than other times because the things we face, Lord, in the days of uh, a few days past, Lord, it, it, it's a joy to come into your house. It, it, there's a looking forward to it because of uh, to get uh, relief, to get comfort and assurance, Lord Jesus, that you're still with us, Lord, and you love us, and your your word is still true, and you're still true to your word, Lord, and you keep your promises, Father. And Lord, it's just an encouragement just to be here with the saints of God, to have fellowship, Lord. It, in itself, Lord, just being here is a, 
it's such a, a joy, Lord, a, a uplifting to one's spirit, Lord, and gives one courage, Father, to face the days ahead. Lord, we, as a people, Lord, we thank you for your promises, Lord, because sometimes, Lord, it's what we, all we have to look forward to, Father, when there's failures are wrong and we look at ourselves sometimes and there's, somehow we don't seem to measure up, Lord, as we gauge ourselves, maybe by ourselves, Father. But may we look to you today, Lord, and what you've done on Calvary and knowing, Lord, that by your merits is how we will make it in, Father, and we hold to that. We thank you, Lord, for that, Father. Lord, these requests was made known, Lord, many. We pray that you will grant each, Father, Lord, this elderly woman, Lord, that's refusing treatment, Lord, because she feels her time is near. You said in your word, when we grow old, Lord, you will not forsake us. So this dear one, Lord, I pray that you'll be with her, Lord, and give her grace. And this little fellow, too, Lord, that got hurt, we pray that you'll touch him, Lord, and heal him and bring him out of the hospital, Lord. And these many requests, Sister Shirley Buchanan, Karen Buchanan, and the many others that was mentioned, Lord, we pray that you'll go to each, even as we pray, Lord, and touch them and raise them up, Lord, and give them strength and courage. And Father, we look forward to your word as it comes, Lord, from your servant. We pray that you'll use him, Lord, and anoint him. And Lord, that you'll, Father, every word that's spoken, Lord, may it fall in each heart, Lord, and bring forth that which you intended it to, Lord. Help us and correct us when we're wrong, Lord, that we may conform to your word. Grant it, Father, we pray and ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Brother Matt to make ready to sing his special at this time. Man, we appreciate Brother Matt. Any of the specialists that we have, man, we appreciate all of you and musicians, amen, and certainly their contribution just makes for a really nice atmosphere. And man, we certainly appreciate each and every one of you. Man, we couldn't do it without you. Man, and you bring the spirit of worship with you every time you come. Man, God bless you. I once was lost 
take up our morning offering. Man, and you feel free to give as unto the Lord. Man, I'll ask Brother Tom if he would lead us in the word of prayer. Let's sing the song together. Draw me close to you. Draw me close to you.
thanksgiving, Lord, for all you are to us, for all you provide, Lord, for all you know about us. Lord, you know our past. You know where we've come from. You know where we're headed, Lord. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would just reach down, Lord, and embrace every spirit today. Lord, take each one of us under your control. And Father, may you just have the preeminence among us today. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just speak clearly through your word. And that, Lord, you would just challenge us. I pray you'd correct us. I pray, dear God, that you would help us to be mindful of your ways. And, Lord, what pleases you. We give you every need. We give you every soul. We give you, Lord, our minds and our hearts today. Help us, I pray, to be attentive to what you would want us to leave here with. And, Father, we'll just give you the thanks and praise that you deserve. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us of anything that may be contrary 
to the moving of the Holy Spirit today. And Lord, may we all contribute to this atmosphere moving forward, Lord, and asking that as we approach the word now, that Lord, you would just take complete control of our minds, that Satan would have to back off, and that Lord, you would just allow the word to penetrate deep like seeds into our hearts, that it might bring forth great things in our lives. We love you. We appreciate, Lord, your presence today. And we invite you now just to minister to every soul. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Amen. You may be seated this morning. God bless you. Certainly an honor to be here today. Musicians, if you'll hold on because we're going to include you here in just a little uh, bit. as We have a couple of things that we want to do this morning. But we welcome all of you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, it was just so nice to come into the sanctuary this morning from the back and uh, just to be with you and worship with you this morning. And uh, we welcome all of you here and all of our guests online and those who are uh, watching and visiting. We uh, pray God's blessing upon you as well. Uh, we have our uh, Easter service coming up next weekend, and uh, it's upon us already. It's amazing how uh, quickly we get there. And uh, this Wednesday night, we'll have service here. We'll be back on our regular schedule, so uh, we'll have service here. Uh, Brother uh, Mike Holloway will be preaching uh, this Wednesday night. And then next Sunday, uh, Brother Sam Browning is going to be coming down from Ohio, and he'll be here for uh, both services on Sunday. We'll have a dinner in between. And so we're uh, looking forward to that and just trusting that the Lord will meet with us and give us a, a special time. And uh, trust that you'll be praying for those services as well. Uh, March 29th is Emmanuel Irish's birthday. Right? How old are you going to be, Emmanuel? 17, really? Wow, that's wonderful. And then the Pritchards have an anniversary. How many years? 41 years. Wow, wonderful. We appreciate Brother Mike and Sister Angie. Uh, March 31st is Noah Cochran's birthday. Noah? How many years? 16 years. Wonderful. Good to have you today. And April 2nd will be Joe Paschal's uh, birthday as well, and they're watching online, and um, trust that the Lord will uh, bless him. But Joe's uh, done, done remarkably well, so we appreciate that very much. Well, uh, let me just give you a couple of photos here, and this is uh, Zimbabwe uh, today. I just have a couple here, and this is... Uh, um, A village, and we'll let Brother Aaron probably say what the name of that village is. But uh, they received their Bibles yesterday, brothers circulating around still uh, in Zimbabwe. And I hadn't mentioned this, and I put this picture up because uh, we are trying to get permission to reprint this Bible. Uh, And if we possibly can do it, uh, the the same company that prints for us and does all of our... uh, books and so forth, is the same company that prints for several of the Bible societies in Africa. So uh, they are the largest Bible printer in the world. And we're, we're trying, uh, we're working diligently to try to uh, deal with them so we can get permission. You just can't take somebody's Bible and reprint it. You have to have permission because they have it uh, formatted and different things so that those are protected. And uh, we want to do that correctly. And we're trying to be able to uh, obtain those copyrights and, and permissions 
so that we can print uh, and, and we would effectively be able to get these Bibles for, for very cheap, and we're working on it. So uh, in the meantime, we're able to purchase them like this, and it's really great to see uh, the folks in the villages there uh, be able to receive their Bibles. So we're just uh, thankful for that and excited. Um, we, uh, Brother George Smith today is in Columbia, and uh, he is... Uh, down there for a couple of reasons, and one of them is that they're supposed to be offloading books that are sitting on a boat in the harbor in Columbia, and so we're uh, we're hopefully going to get those off. They've been uh, held up for a while, and so this is the first shipment into Columbia. It's been really a challenge to get all that done, but Brother George is there, and hopefully he'll send me some uh, pictures so we can get them uh, get them out and let you see things in Colombia. Second thing he's there is to bring me back some coffee. But uh, the first thing he's there for is to minister to the saints. So uh, good Colombian coffee is good. Well, we are honored today to have uh, Brother Aaron and Sister Trish with us and uh, the new addition to their family. So we're going to ask them if they would uh, make their way forward, and we would like to do a little dedication this morning. And uh, Runya Yarrow. Jew is with us this morning, and so we are just excited uh, to be able to have her with us and to be able to ask God's blessing upon her today. And so uh, we have some folks that are going to be watching from Zimbabwe today and uh, grandparents. We are, Sister Becky and I are first in line for grandparents, and then there are other grandparents uh, in Zimbabwe, and uh, we welcome them this morning. And Honored that they're uh, able to be with us as well. Sing with us this morning. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to hear. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me for the Bible tells me so. We are honored to be here today uh, with you all and uh, it's just a blessing to be able to uh, pray this prayer over your daughter and uh, to be um, standing with you in prayer and trusting that the Lord will now bless you and guide you in this new phase of life, and uh, certainly exciting. It's God's way of saying that life goes on when we see little babies come into the world, and uh, we're thankful for this opportunity today. And in the scripture, in Mark chapter 10, it says, And they brought young children to Jesus, that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer ye the little children to come unto me. And forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. And verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, 
put his hands upon them, and he blessed them. So we are honored today to be able to pray for Runya Yarrow and uh, asking, uh, she's a healthy little girl. Now she's going to enjoy this because I have a way with granddaughters. <laughs> they, they love me and I give them candies all the time and so this is, this is just going to be wonderful. All right, here we go. I have a special affinity with granddaughters. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we bow our hearts together, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would just look down upon this little girl and, Lord, accept her as our offering to you, a life, Lord, that is about to unfold. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we commit her to you now and pray that you would just bless her abundantly. Lord, may she always stay close to the cross. Lord, may you just have your hand upon her and, Lord, allow her to do the special things you have ordained for her. Father, we pray that you would just bless Brother Aaron and Sister Trish now and all of the choices and decisions that they have to make. And, Lord, you have led them on a very unique path to this country, Lord, and through life to meet together and now to be here and be blessed, Lord, with a growing family. And I pray that you would give them wisdom. I pray you'd give them patience. I pray, dear God, that you would give them just that special love that a little girl like this needs. And so we commit them into your hands, Lord, and pray that you would not only bless them, but their family back in Zimbabwe as well. And we pray that your presence would be known among them. Father, we just commit her to you now and ask your blessing upon her. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. You're pretty. You know that? Yes, you are. You come in my office after. She's special. God bless you. Runya Yaro. God bless you. Thank you. The Bible tells me so. Let's stand to our feet this morning. This morning, let's go into the book of Isaiah. If you don't mind, we're going to read a passage there today. Um, we're going to ask you to remember a former caregiver who looked after, helped look after Sister Fulcher uh, a few years ago. Her name is Judy Meyer, and we prayed for Judy's brother uh, a while ago. You may not remember, it's three or four years ago. And he was very, very sick, and God just did a great work in his life and turned him around, and he's healthy and strong, and so we're very thankful for that. And so she's facing a surgery coming up on April 7th, and so uh, she turned to us and asked us if we would remember her in prayer. We told her we would mention that this morning. 
Um, also, this uh, Sister Kristen had sent that uh, prayer request in for uh, Nahum Meister. And he's a, a kindergarten age little boy. Uh, and she is the son of a former teacher that Sister Kristen had. And so uh, he was in a, a, on a tree swing and uh, fell out of the tree swing, but the branch cracked. And the injuries that he sustained, he has several uh, fractures in his skull. And uh, part of the, uh, or most of the damage was done when the, the branch actually came down on him. So it wasn't from the fall. It was more from the, uh, from the branch falling and landed right on his head. And so uh, we, we want to remember that little boy. He's, he's, being, he's sedated. He's in hospital. And he is um, on a ventilator so that he doesn't have to struggle to uh, do the things that the machinery is doing. But this family, uh, he's in Levine's children, uh, Children's Hospital. The family has had several losses. They had a, a couple of stillborn children and one just a couple of weeks ago, one last week. And the husband of this, this sister who, who uh, Sister Kristen knows, the husband has brain cancer, and he's been in and out of remission. They're not, they're not uh, believers in the message, but they're faithful Christians and uh, just holding on and, and trusting the Lord for, uh, for the health of their son. And so I'd like to remember them this morning in prayer. And, and uh, whenever a need comes to us like this, especially one as serious as this, we, we certainly do want to take it uh, seriously. We prayed for uh, Lincoln last Sunday, and uh, Lincoln is uh, his his weight increased, and we were very thankful for that on Monday. Uh, he's back in the hospital, and they're watching him swallow, and they're trying to uh, still understand the mechanics of why he's having the the problems that he is, and uh, aspirating, and so forth. So, if you don't mind, let's just continue to remember him, and. Uh, uh, trust that the Lord will give him a complete deliverance. We prayed that he would gain weight. He did. Uh, now we need to pray that God would just completely undertake for him and give him the victory over that. And uh, I believe that God's able to do that. You remember the time when that man came to Jesus and uh, he asked Jesus to pray for him, and he did. And he said, I can see men, he says, as trees. He didn't see clearly. And Jesus prayed again. And so it doesn't hurt for us to pray again. And to keep praying, point our canon of prayer towards the gates of heaven and just ask the Lord would undertake for this little boy. He must be a tough little boy, Sister Karen. Just got lots of, lots of backbone there. Just fought all his way uh, to where we are today. So we want to continue to remember him in prayer. Isaiah chapter 58, and uh, let's read beginning at verse 11, if you don't mind. We're going, to, we're going to deal with this chapter, but I wanted to read the last little portion of it here from verse 11. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought. Make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. Now remember, uh, a watered garden is a sign of real true blessing in the Old Testament, because they live in such an arid country. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. Thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of the paths to dwell in. And if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasures on my holy day, call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, 
and shall honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. If you'll forsake that, not seeking your own pleasure. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob, thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Heavenly Father, as we read these words, Lord, we are just so thankful for your promises and how, Lord, you, you cared for Israel despite their many mistakes and, Lord, the, the flaws in their own lives. But, Lord, you, you were still so faithful to them and made great and precious promises to them. And now today, in the name of Jesus Christ, we commit these needs to you, Lord, and some of these are special and serious. And we pray that you would just undertake for each and every one. Father, have your way, we pray. Bless the reading of the word now to our hearts, we pray. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we ask. Amen. And all God's people said, you may be seated this morning. Now, we've done some few different things over the last couple of weeks, couple of Sundays, and been a little bit different. And so I wanted to uh, conclude or uh, maybe just draw a little summary to some of the things that we've been talking about over the last couple of Sundays. And I, I really feel like we're coming into a season that is uh, more serious than, uh, you know, than we have of uh, years ago. This is a, a serious time. There are serious things that are happening in the earth, serious things that are going on, things that have been talked about, things that have been prophesied for our time. And when things have been prophesied, they are going to come to pass. It's only a matter of when. And uh, we, we are observers. We're, we're people who see things that are uh, taking place in our world daily. And for the world, many times they wonder, where is it all going? Where is it all going to wind up? Where is it going to end? We have that answer. That's not a question for us. We know where it's going to end. We know where it's all going to wind up. But we, we sometimes pause and we, we ask the questions and say that, uh, you know, the, the, the relevance of all of this for me is, is what's critical. As individuals, like Brother Mark was praying this morning, that, you know, we think about how, how this affects me, how the, uh, the, the, the presence of the Lord will touch my heart and how... Uh, how he moves me. I, we want to be in the center of his will in everything that we do. That's an understatement. That's a sim- very simple thing to say. But it's a, uh, it's a tall order when we have to uh, think differently and we, we're, we're challenged to change the, the path that we're on. So it, it's, uh, it's an important time. It's an important time for us to uh, think very carefully about the days that we're living in. And, I, you know, I was reminded of uh, a scripture that uh, is found in the book of Acts where uh, uh, David is called a man after God's own heart. That doesn't necessarily mean that David was perfect because we know that David made mistakes. But David could change. He was not perfect, but we could say he was teachable. And that's what made David a man after God's own heart. Uh, is that he, like all others, is susceptible to temptation and problems in life, but he was teachable, and God could deal with his heart, and God could, uh, God could move on him, and David would respond to that, and God loves to see that in his people, is the, res- the right response 
uh, to the ministering of the word. That's, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing. And may God give us that forever. May we never lose that. May we never lose that sensitivity uh, to, the, to the presence of God and the voice of God in, in and through his word. And so we, I, was, I was with my grandchildren this week for a few days, and uh, we were talking about uh, you know, great men of the scripture, and we went back and talked about Gideon. And uh, I, I was asking them what made Gideon special, what really was, was outstanding about Gideon, what, what uh, things do you know about it. And they had all kinds of different things that they knew about Gideon, uh, and they were very familiar with his story. But we landed on two things that I think are important. And number one is uh, that, uh, that Gideon's story proves to us that God doesn't need great big things uh, in order to accomplish great things in our lives. Right? You know, and when it comes to how you would logically thinking about, uh, you know, attacking an army like the Philistines, uh, God reduced the size of Gideon's force. Right? He made it smaller and smaller all the time. And uh, God doesn't need a great big army to win great battles in your life. Right? Many times we, he just needs a submitted person like Gideon who will follow him and go the way that uh, God has ordained. And let me tell you, when you're in that place and you're in that path, uh, you're unstoppable. And that's an important lesson for us to learn. And the second thing about Gideon that they picked out was this. And I think it's a really important thing is that when God found Gideon in the very beginning of the story, he was hiding from the enemy. He was afraid. He was nervous about the events that were happening around him. But God used him anyway because God could see what was in him. Even when Gideon couldn't recognize himself as a mighty man of valor, that's the way God addressed him, right? And the angel found him and said, hey, a mighty man of valor, come out. I know you're hiding back there behind the wine press. Come on out. And here's Gideon not acting like one, but God sees that in him. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's, he was just, just being honest. He was just responding to the circumstances that were around him. And I think it's, uh, those, are, those are great lessons for us because, uh, you know, if we, if we let the circumstances in our time, uh, if we let them, or if we reflect on them or we dwell on them, many times we can become cowered by, we can become afraid of the, uh, the circumstances around us. But I will tell you that uh, God sees, God chose you for this last day. God chose you for this time. And therefore, God must see something in all of us that he wants to use. And I, I think that's a hopeful thing. I'm being very simple here, but I want you to follow me. I was reading in the book of John here, and Jesus tells the disciples in this new, uh, this, this new relationship that's coming, this new way that I'm going to deal with you. This is after the Last Supper, which is John chapter 13, and he's still talking to them about how things are going to change and how things are going to be. And he says to them, Verily I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So the invitation is very clear, that that he he wants us moving forward. He wants us to ask him for things, because he said, when we ask in his name, that I will do, that my Father might be glorified. And if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. I mean, these are his words now. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, <clears throat> that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom 
the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. On Wednesday night, I was talking in the, in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, where Paul said in the last day, he said, I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And the foundation of all, all knowledge is, is the knowledge of him. The, the foundation of, of our lives really is a knowledge or the experience of meeting the living God. Isn't that right? It begins there. It, 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 and sometimes we know things not because we always see them, but we just know them anyway. We know that the Bible is true, and we, we can read our Bible and see that. We, we know that God exists and God is real. We see little babies come into the world, and we know that uh, you know it's, it's a miracle of life, and we, we believe that. But we also believe in things we don't see, right? We believe that there is a heaven. We believe there's a body waiting for us. We believe there's a better world than this world we're living in. We believe there's a millennium. We believe there's a wedding supper. Never seen it, but we believe it's out there. How many of you believe it's out there? So it has to be that, that uh, the, the, uh, your agreement with that has to be based on uh, the promises of God and faith because we don't see it. And for us, we don't always have to see things in order to know them, right? And, and Jesus is telling us here that I'm going to give you the spirit of truth so that uh, even though the world doesn't see this or perceive this, uh, it, 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 it'll be something that will uh, be on the inside so that it will teach you and it will dwell with you and be in you, and it will be in you forever. It will be there forever. And that's a wonderful thing. So God is not done with just uh, showing us something once and then moving on, but he continually re- reminds us, he continually teaches us and shows us things. And, and he says the Holy Ghost will, will always, the Holy Ghost will always point to the Word. The Holy Ghost that's in you will always point to the Word. If it points to a creed or a denomination, it's not the Holy Ghost. He couldn't point away from his word when he died to confirm that word and make that word a positive. He died so that he could come himself into that word. I want you to to focus with me here on this little statement, this little paragraph. He died so he could come himself into that word, into that promised word. And he is a quickening life that makes that word live again. That was his purpose of dying, that he could still project himself through his church and make every word through every age just exactly the way it's supposed to act. Let's go back again and just read it. He died so that he could come himself and get into that word. He, he placed something in you that was able to be quickened, right? He, by, by predestination, he placed something in you that when you heard the voice of God, it responded. And, and he says he came, he died so that he could come himself into that word. And he's the quickening life that makes that word, that seed gene of God, live again in me. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is a quickener of the word, isn't it? You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And he says that was the purpose of dying, that he could project himself through his church. So God actually wanted to project himself through that church and make every word through every age just exactly the way that it was supposed to act. So God had, uh, God, when he was on the earth, he projected 
he projected God himself to this world. And he said to the disciples, hey, have I been so long with you and you haven't seen the Father? He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because what I am and who I am is projecting God to this world. This is that Savior that was spoken of back in the book of Isaiah. This is the wheel in the middle of the wheel. This is the one that, uh, you know, we talked about in the Garden of Eden there, the suffering Savior that would come and redeem mankind, right? And so he was projecting himself through his word to be everything for that age that he was supposed to be. Jesus expressed everything he was supposed to be for that age. But now, when he, when he died and rose and, and, and came back on the day of Pentecost, he began something that never really existed in any other age, and that is that he wanted to take the entire church, the body of Christ, and he wanted to project himself through that church so that they could be exactly what they were, and act the way they were supposed to act in every age. So God wanted to display himself, and he did it. Uh, in every age, he did it in the dark ages, he did it in Luther's time, and all the way down through. And, and if that's true, that I believe that the reason why you're born again, and the reason why you're here, and the reason why he died, is so that he could come in, live inside of you, to express Christ to this generation. And to express the word for this hour. Your job is to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit that expresses Christ to this world. I think that's a really noble calling. I would say this, if that's true, do it well. Don't get in the way. You make sure, you make sure that you represent Christ well. And the best way you can do that is to get out of the way. And let him express himself because he knows what, he knows what uh, the word is supposed to look like today. He knows what the word is supposed to do today. So the best thing that I can do and the best thing that you can do is just get out of the way. And let the Holy Spirit have his way in your heart and in your life. Hold on with me now. Hold on this morning. Not that, I, not that you're going anywhere. But let's just build on this just a little bit. I've given you this statement before. I'd love to know who this is Brother Bram's talking about. He doesn't really say. He never gives his name. But he said a man came to him after a service. After uh, He said I was in the full gospel businessman's service. And, and there was many great and popular, renowned men of the time who were there. I met some of them uh, who were there, the Shikarians and, and uh, uh, several other famous names of the uh, of that era who attended those meetings. It was non-denominational, so therefore they could kind of come without any restrictions, you know, whether they were Trinitarians or not, and didn't really matter. Uh, they, they could all attend there. And, they, and they, they, they brought some of the better-known speakers of the day, and it didn't matter what denomination or church or affiliation they had. It was a, kind of a neutral ground, if you like. And so there was lots of people came, and Brother Branham said that uh, there was this fine, cultured gentleman in Tucson, who came and he said, I've been speaking at uh, this convention and the Lord had done great things. He had done great miracles in that, in that particular meeting. And this Christian gentleman came to me, a minister, and he said, Brother Branham, you're trying to project to the people an apostolic age when the apostolic age has ceased. Now what's really interesting about this paragraph here is that Brother Branham says that this person is, you know, is a minister. He's somebody who would be familiar with the scripture. And he's sitting there observing and he's listening to Brother Branham and what Brother Branham's actually saying and then observing what God is actually doing. You know, God's doing miracles right there in the meeting. 
And Brother Branham's up there saying that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he's no different than he was in the early church. He's no different in the days of the apostles than he is today. It's the same God, right? Same Savior, same Holy Spirit. And Brother Branham's saying that like we have always hear, if you listen to a tape, or I mean, you always hear Brother Branham talk about Hebrews 13 and 8, and uh, you know, you talk about how God was able and God's still a miracle worker. God was a healer. He's still a healer. You believe that? I mean, that's, that's just real common for us, right? And this fellow's sitting there, and, he's, and he goes to Brother Branham, and he says, Brother Branham, you're trying to project something. You're trying to project that we're living in an apostolic age. And he said, and that age has ceased. You know what's interesting is that he's got it right. This person's got it right. He did actually catch what God was projecting through Brother Branham. You understand what, what's going on here? He says, Brother Branham, I, I, I'm listening to you and I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. And you're trying to project to the people that we're living in an apostolic age. Bingo. You got it. That's exactly what I'm trying to project. Or more accurately, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit's trying to project in our time. And you caught it. But now he's coming to Brother Branham with an objection. Right? He's coming to Brother Branham and saying, oh, hold on now. You're trying to project something that has ceased. Brother Branham responds and says, well, now I pray thee. Now, my brother, he says, to show me where the apostolic age has ceased in the scripture. The apostolic age began on the day of Pentecost. And when did it cease? If God is still calling, the apostolic age is still in session. So, yep, we got scripture for the beginning, but we don't have scripture for the end of the apostolic age. So, in a very simplistic way, Brother Branham, who has, listen now, he has the word of the hour. And remember what, what, what Jesus is trying to do with the word of the hour. But express himself to that age. Let's go back there, because you've already forgotten. Let's go back and look, read what he said. He died so that he could come into that word. He is the quickening life that makes that word live again. That was his purpose of dying, that he could project himself through his church and make every word through every age act exactly like it was supposed to act. Well, isn't that what Brother Branham's supposed to do? He's supposed to act a certain way in the end time. And the Holy Spirit is actually projecting himself through that ministry, and people are out there. That minister, he's catching it, he's got it, but he's objecting to it. You know why? Because he's got another understanding of the Word of God. He's got another idea about what the Word of God means. And he's objecting to what the Holy Spirit's actually trying to do. Are you following me? He's saying, he's saying, Brother Bram, you're trying to project this. Yes, I am. But he said, that's not right for today. That was right for another day, but not this day. And Brother Branham, you know, as we read there, he says, well, we can identify when it began, but he says we can't really identify when it stops, so therefore it's still on. We're still here. He's got another idea. Now let me tell you what he's doing. He's looking at it through his own glasses. He's got a set of glasses that he sees... (laughs) You didn't think I'd do that, did you? I can't see a thing. But he's looking at this through a certain lens because that's the way he's trained or that's the way he believes, right? Now, that's a, that's a dangerous place to be. 
when you're standing there and there's a vindicated prophet, I know you're not listening to the thing because I got those glasses on. Let's just go back to normal. He's objecting to a vindicated prophet who's bringing the word for that day. Or the Holy Spirit's actually trying to express himself truthfully through that ministry. And he's sitting there with his glasses on saying, you know what, I hear what you're saying, but you're wrong. That's really something, isn't it? Now look, I knew this was going to happen. I'm going to jump all. Over, I'm going to jump out of order here, and if, and if, if that's all right, I'd like to go back and look in the book of Numbers. Now you're going to have to look back with me here because, just because, Numbers. Now I want you to catch something pretty important here. Numbers chapter 17, the Lord spake unto Moses. So who's speaking? Speak unto the children of Israel and take every one of them a rod according to the house of their fathers. Of all their princes according to the house of their fathers. Twelve rods. Write there every man's name on the rod. And when it comes to the tribe of Levi, I want you to write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. One rod shall be for the head of the house of their fathers, and they shall lay them up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony where I will meet with you. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I choose shall blossom. Hold on. Choose for what? But to do the service of the Lord and the service of the tabernacle, right? This is what this is about. God's going to choose one tribe, one group, that are going to be the ministry to minister to the Lord on behalf of the people, in a sense an intermediary between the people, the congregation out here, and the tabernacle of the Lord here, and this is going to be the people who are going to do it. And I'm going to choose this day who who that tribe is going to be. And this is what this is about. So all 12 tribes have a stick. All 12 tribes put their stick into, slide it in underneath the curtain, and it goes into the presence of God, and God says, I'm going to pick one of them. And I will choose. That rod will blossom. And I'll make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel whereby they murmur against you. I am actually doing this to stop the murmuring. Whoa. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, and he told them to do that, and they did that. Verse 8, And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds and bloom blossoms and yielded almonds. And Moses brought it out, and he showed it to the people. Verse 10, And the Lord said unto Moses, Bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony to be kept for a token against the rebels. Wow. Use this, carry it with you forever, take it with the tabernacle wherever it goes as a token against the rebels, and thou shalt quite take away their murmurings from me that they die not. Because if they don't quit, they'll die. I mean, you got to kind of get your attention, doesn't it? Why did God do this? I'll tell you why God did it. Let's go back one chapter. Chapter 17. 
I'm sorry, chapter 16. It usually comes before 17. Verse 1, now Korah, the son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, the sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown, and gathered themselves together against Moses. So why did God do this? God does this because there's now this thing going on in the camp where these people are not just one or two, but now we have the princes, now we have the chief men of the congregation that are now rising up against Moses. Can you imagine getting a busload of preachers and going down to Jeffersonville and knocking on Brother Branham's door and saying, hey, are you the only spiritual one here? Are you the only one that God deals with? Come on. Really? And this is what they did. You know, I mean, sometimes you think, well, people are just brave or something, and then sometimes you've got to say they're just plain stupid. Because this is not what you want to be doing. Okay? Forgive me. So God's looking at this. And Moses is looking at this. And look, let's make this short. 21, 16, 21. Separate yourselves among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. Just give me a minute, God says. Just give me a minute. I'll deal with this. I know exactly how to deal with this. Just give me a minute, all right? Moses, just stand back, if you don't mind. A little further, stand back. Just give me a minute. And at the end of the day, God opens up the earth. I mean, they all go down, the kids, the family, the, the whole thing. That's God's way of dealing with this kind of attitude. I mean, it's pretty severe. Aren't you glad you're not living in the Old Testament? The times of the Old Testament. Now, what's interesting is that the people now, when this happens... There's a plague that breaks out among the congregation because God wants to purge this out completely. He's not just, he he chops the head off it. He wants to deal with the leadership of this thing because a a lot of this cancer in the congregation comes from some big mouth who doesn't have any idea who God is. And so he says, I'm going to cut the head of this thing off. But then he goes through the camp of the plague. Moses looks at this and he realizes, my goodness, if we don't do something, everyone's going to be dead on the ground. So he says to Aaron, Aaron, run, get the censer out of the tabernacle, put some fire into it and run through the camp. And he does. And Aaron's running through the camp and the smoke of the censer is billowing out through there. And it says in verse 48 of that same chapter, and he, Aaron, stood before the dead and the living and the plague was stayed. And they that died in the plague were 14,700 besides them that died in the matter of Korah. So you got the Korah and his clan, and now you have the 14,000 or so that are dead there. And if Aaron had not run fast, it would have been way, way more than just that. So Aaron's acting as an intercessor here. He's the one who's acting as a priest between himself and the judgments of God. Next chapter. God says, I'm going to... I'm going to deal with this whole idea of murmuring now. 
I'm going to put a stop to this. I'm going to, I'm going to say who, is the ones, who are the ones that I have ordained to come and minister in the service of, of the tabernacle. Who are, who are the fivefold ministry of our time? Tell you what we're going to do. Everyone take a rod, write your name on it, slide it in underneath the curtain there, and the one that I pick will have blossoms overnight. That's 17. It's interesting that 17 comes after 16, right? This story follows that story because, you know what, God wants this token for the rebels to be seen forever. Wow. All right. Hang with, stay with, don't hang with me, stay with me. God chooses the tribe of Levi. They're going to be the ones who minister. And in 18... God details Aaron's work. He says, you're going to do this, and you're going to serve in the temple, you're going to wear this, you're going to dress this way, and this is what you're going to do. And God gives them all those responsibilities that are there. Let me just summarize and say this. The symbol that God uses, the symbol that God uses to identify leadership in the camp is resurrection. The symbol that God uses to identify Who's going to minister the word is the resurrection of that rod. That rod was something. It's dead. Now it's back to life again, right? Resurrection is the symbol of the leadership that God chose. Now, let me say this. When the right person takes the word from the presence of the Lord, and bring new life. It produces a new person. Do you understand what I'm saying? Chapter 18 and verse 6. And I, behold, I have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel to you, that they have given as a gift for the Lord to do the sacrifice of the tabernacle of the congregation. And therefore, thou... You got another finger? Hold hold your finger there. Go to Ephesians, if you will. Flip over to Ephesians. I've given this tribe as a gift to the children of Israel. Chapter 4. Verse 8, wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, captivity captive, and gave what? Gifts unto men. Verse 11, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints and the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of opinion? No. Till we come in the unity of the faith, the faith. What is the, what is the, really now, what is, and I'm not talking about myself, I'm just saying, what, what did God gift the body with in the New Testament, but the fivefold ministry to be able to minister to them the word of life that brings you from death to life and, and brings you on to perfection? Does that make sense? God's idea of the ministry with, with the right understanding of the Word of God that comes from the presence of God will produce life in somebody, even if they're dead. 
and it will produce fruits in a person. When all they did was produce nothing that God was interested in, now they produce the right kind of fruits that God wants to see. Is that okay? For the perfecting of the saints, for the, uh, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's, that's what the right ministry, the right ministry will do with the right word in season. God will express himself through it so that the people catch it and it produces something in their life. They don't have to come up with a word, but neither does this guy have to come up with a word. The word comes from God and God uses that channel that he has chosen and ministers to the people and it produces new life in them. It'll produce rapturing faith in them. It'll actually produce a new body in you. But if you don't mind, read the next verse back in Numbers. I'm back in Numbers again, verse 7. Therefore, thou and thy sons with thee shall keep the priest's office for everything of the altar, and within the veil ye shall serve. I have given your priest's office unto you as a service of gift. And the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. Aha. So now somebody else comes in. Wrong glasses. Somebody else comes in, and they're in there looking for something that they want to find. So let's just say, for example, let's just say that a woman comes in here and says, I think I'm called to preach. And so she begins to look into the Bible to find somewhere where it gives a woman... Right to preach. You know what she's doing? She's looking through a certain lens already. This is what they want to find. Everything they see is tainted by this. Sorry, everything they see is tainted by this. So when they look at it, everything has this glow on it. Everything has this, and that's what they're looking for. And as a result, you can probably find a verse of Scripture that will suit your argument For after all, there's no male or female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Bingo. Got it. You know why? Because they were looking for something. And listen, that does not produce life. That will produce death. Right? A real minister does this. He takes off the tinted glasses so that he doesn't preach what he wants. He preaches whatever God will give him that will produce life for the people that God knows about. I don't always know what's best for you. (laughs) I don't even know what's best for me half the time. And I don't know all what you're going through. I don't know all what you're struggling with. But how many times have you come to me or text me on Monday and say, that's exactly what I needed. You know what? You know why that happens? Is because I have to take off my glasses. I got to take off my my bias. I got to take off my wants, my wishes, and I got to take off my anger. I got to take off my. I'll set that congregation straight. I'll straighten them out. You know what? You're better off taking those glasses off in a hurry. Because you know what? That'll never produce life. That'll produce bitterness. That will drive people away. And I don't find anywhere in my, con- my commission where I'm supposed to drive anyone away. I'm called to be a pastor. And pastors are supposed to, if I understand it right, they're supposed to keep the flock together. Because if you don't keep the flock together, they're going to wander out there where there's wolves and all kinds of bad stuff out there. It's going to mess you up. And they're going to eat you alive. 
Even when sheep kind of feel like, huh, I can do this. I got this. I got this. Because I'm looking through my, my understanding of the scripture. And I found one. Bless God, I found one. Dathan and Korah found one too. And you know what God said? Give me a minute. Give me a minute, I'll deal with them. So he says, I'm going to remove this question now. This is how I'm going to minister the word of life. This is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to choose a minister, and I'm going to take that minister and strip him of his own ambition and put my word in him to express myself to that congregation that they can have life and they can produce the right kind of fruits. I really can't make you do anything. I really can't. I can't make myself lose five pounds. I really can't make you do a lot of things. And that's not my intent. Because you know what? i got a better way. The better way is to give you the full counsel of God. Untainted, uncolored, un, unbiased. Let's, let's say it like it says. Let's read what it says. Let's look at it. Let's preach it like it is. And let the Holy Spirit quicken that word in your heart. And when that takes hold in you, if you're bride, when that takes hold in you, you know what you'll do? You'll express Christ. You'll express Christ to the world. You'll be a witness of this message. You'll be an example of this message. You will be one who reflects Christ to this world. That's exactly what you'll be. And you know what? That's exactly what you're supposed to be. That's exactly what you're supposed to be. Brother Branham says, here it is again. The Holy Ghost will always point to the Word. Next paragraph. He died so he could come himself into that Word. He is the quickening life that makes that Word live again. That was his purpose of dying, that he could still project himself through his church. That's you. That he could project himself through his church. That's you. You're supposed to say amen here. Let me read it again. He is the quickening life that makes that word live again. That was his purpose of dying, that he could project himself through his church and make every word through every age act just exactly the way it's supposed to act. How do you even know what is the word except you heard? And how do we hear? By the preaching of the word, right? How does God choose to... He could have had the Son to preach. He could have had uh, the Internet to preach. But He chose preachers. And that is His gift to you. That was His gift in the Old Testament. And God said by this, He said, I'm going to use this... I mean, these are His words. He said, I'm going to use this as a token against the rebels forever. So, in other words, when you get another idea... And you want to find another scripture or another verse and, you know, you say, yeah, you said this, but you know what? Uh, I, I found a verse. And, and this is my advice to you this morning. Just be real careful with that. Because every one of us, all of us, are called to study the Word of God and to read the Word of God and to know the Word of God. We're called to do that. Remember like in the book of Acts when the people in Berea there, it says that they studied the Word of God continually to see whether these things be so. Remember that? That's, that's for all of us. We're supposed to do that. But we're not called to be like Dathan and Korah who find a spot and say, Aha! See, I knew there was a smoking gun somewhere. 
and start this cancer through the camp that now aligns hundreds of people against a vindicated prophet for that day. Are we okay? You say, Brother Barry, you're putting yourself in a, you know, a, no. No, let me tell you something. <clears throat> the rods that went in underneath the flap of the tent were not different than any other rod. Aaron's rod was not special somehow when it went in. It was what God used it for was special. And I'll guarantee you, I'll guarantee you, and sometimes I shake my head and say, I'm no different than Brother David. I'm no different than Brother Caleb. I'm no different than anyone else here. But God will use, God puts something in me that he can use to bless the congregation. And I think, wow, that's, that's, that's sovereignly done. I mean, I, some of you have a gift of music that God put in there. It's an anointing that God will give to minister his presence. Because isn't it true that sometimes when people will sing, and they'll sing under the anointing of the Lord, not performance now. Are we okay? Not performance. Because I, I, I really don't believe that God honors performance. I believe God honors worship. The Bible says that he delights in the praises of his people. And God loves the praise, spontaneous praise and the joyous praise of his people and worship in spirit and in truth. I believe that God loves that. We don't need to be practiced. We don't need to be polished. We don't need to be anything else but ourselves and what God's anointed us to do. But isn't it true when, when you know, sometimes when somebody will get up and sing, and it might be just a simple song or whatever else. It might be something in one of the songbooks here that we've heard a million times before. But when they sing it just out of sincerity of their heart, the presence of the Lord will move in in a special way. And you say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Right? How many of you ever experienced that? Sure, we all have. Because you know what? God's anointed them to do something. They're not a different stick than anybody else. It's just what God will do through it if you yield to him and let God project himself through it. But isn't that what he just said? That that was his purpose of dying, that he could still project himself through his church. So if you want God to use you to be a witness, to be a minister, to be a singer, to be a deacon, to be a uh, whatever in the church, in the house of God, then I'll tell you what, take these off and just go neutral for a while and let God speak through you. Let God use you and just say, Lord, I don't have any preconceived ideas here. I don't have any. I don't have any agenda here. I'm just, I'm, I'm just a vessel in your hands and you can use me in. Is that okay? Now listen, God made it a point. After this execution of Dathan and Korah, I mean, it's a pretty sobering thing, but God made this decision. He said, all right, hey, this is, let's end the mind battles. Let's end the, the doubt here. Let's end the question. Let's, we're, going to, we're going to identify how we're going to minister here, and we're going to have Levites that are going to attend to the service of the Lord. And he, he describes all that in the life of Moses there. Can I go a little bit further? When the word of the Lord is ministered correctly, it should build faith in your hearts. Because faith comes by hearing. When a person enters into the presence of the Lord, gets what God says, takes it and channels it to the people through God's expression, channels it to the people. Let me tell you, the right response is that it builds faith in the hearts of the people. And then the people should, in reality, they should be willing to ask God for things 
that they have need of. They should have the faith to ask God for things that they have need of. Lord, I, I'm making a decision. I need your, your wisdom here. I, I, I want to marry somebody. Help me, Lord. Guide me. Prevent it if it's not right. Allow it to go through if it is right. Lord, I'm struggling financially. I'm struggling in the area of jobs. And Lord, lead me and guide me. Help me get settled here. And my family can be settled as well. And I, I need your wisdom. Hey, we all have things. We all go through seasons of life. And here's Brother Branham says, he says in 1955, he wants us to ask and believe that our joys may be full. He wants you to ask abundantly. Ask for big things. Don't limit your faith to some little mustard seed, but get out there on some kind of faith and move on out in the big things. 1956, and don't never be afraid to ask big things. God wants you to ask big things. He doesn't want you to be petty and juvenile. He wants you to ask big things that your joys may be full. Don't ask for, for petty things. Don't ask for things that are not found in the Word. But ask for things. Didn't we read in John chapter 14 where Jesus said, I, I mean to ask. Do you know how many times in the Old Testament that God told the people to ask for something? You probably don't. I looked, and I found out there are two. There are two times that God asked the people to ask me. Go ahead, ask me anything. Two times. I was amazed. One of them was when Solomon was at Gibeah, and he was about to take the throne of, of the children of Israel, right? And God comes to him in a dream, and he says to Solomon... Ask anything. You're in this position now of king. Ask me anything. I'll give you riches. I'll give you an army. Get whatever you want. Ask me. And, and Solomon wakes up and he says, Lord, give me wisdom to know how to lead thy people. Amen. God says, Amen. The first, one of the first times God said, Amen. Do you want to know what the second time was? If you don't mind, go to Isaiah. How many fingers do you have? Isaiah. Let's find out where in Isaiah chapter 7. God's dealing with the king Ahaz. And the Lord spake, the Lord spake to Ahaz. Isaiah 7 verse 10. God comes to Ahaz and he says, ask thee a sign of the Lord. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. In other words, ask me anything. Ask for a sign. Ahaz says, ha ha, I will not ask. Neither will I tempt the Lord. Who's he talking to? He's talking to God. Because you know what? In the Old Testament, asking God for stuff was really not encouraged. And he looked at it. This is his response. He looked at it like, I'm not going to tempt the Lord. I'm not going to ask God for something he hasn't given me. Because they knew God as one who gave commandments. One who handed out commandments, thou shalt, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt do this and that and that, something else. So in a sense, all their, all their requirements, the things they needed to know were all kind of written in stone already. So therefore, you didn't come to God and ask for something else. Because God had already said it. 
That's kind of the way they were. And they had prophets, after all. And prophets came and said the things that Moses didn't say. So, uh, you know, he says, he says to Ahaz, go ahead and ask. Ahaz said, no way. They're not going to do it. That's the only two times in the Old Testament, directly like that, where God uh, asks people to ask th- things. I mean, I thought that was interesting. Because when Jesus comes along, he says this. 13, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. This is new. Probably why they call it the New Testament. This is different. This is, God, this is Jesus inviting his people to ask. Here's Brother Branham reiterating that and saying, ask big. Don't ask for little things. Don't underestimate God's ability to supply. Ask big. You've got a thing that you think nobody can figure out. You've got a thing that you, you, you're sitting there thinking, I don't know how it's going to happen. I really don't know. Ask God. You've got a sickness that the doctor is scratching his head over. Ask God, you've got a problem in life or you've got a situation and you're, you, know, you don't know what, you, I mean, I don't know what the future is. And I don't know which way to go and I don't know what to choose. And all Ask God. We find in the New Testament all kinds of things where Paul says, uh, you know, uh, wor- worry not. He says, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, present your petitions unto God. And, I mean, the New Testament is filled with all kinds. This is really basic stuff because we're used to this idea. The Jews were not. But now we have this relationship, and this is what Jesus is describing. This is right here after he washed the feet of of the disciples. This is right there. And Jesus says, from now on, when this comforter comes, ask. Watch what I'll do. In other words, now we're moving into a time where it's not just commandments and thou shalt and thou shalt not. But now we're moving into a season of faith. And you've got to believe that God is. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And when you come to him in faith, and when you come to him with a pure heart, and when you come to him in accordance with his word, ask. Didn't Jesus tell us, knock, and the door shall be opened. Seek, and ye shall find. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. What father, he says, if a son comes and asks him for bread, will he give him a stone? Common sense would tell you, if you have a need, go to your father and ask him. Nobody said that in the Old Testament. 4,000 years got by and nobody said that. And now all of a sudden Jesus is laying it out over and over again. Ask. You know who he's talking to? He's talking to us. You need salvation? Seek him while he can be found. You need, you need a, a, a revival in your heart? Let go of what you know and ask God. Let go of what you know, because the enemy of true revival is what you already know. When you think that God's going to predictably do this and this and this, you're going to experience no revival in your life. You've got to let go of what you know, and then let God revive your spirit. Let God stir your heart. But you've got to let go of what you know. Because if you're all sitting there saying, well, I, I, I mean, I know what service is going to be like, and I know what God's going to do, and I know what's going to happen, and I know, you know, uh, this, I know what songs we're going to sing, and all of this. God really is not going to spark any revival among you as long as you know stuff. Let go of what you know, and watch God do what you've got to do. 
well, I don't like this, and I don't like that way. I don't like the pastor doing this, and I don't like the uh, piano player, and I don't like this song that we sing, and it's over. You know what? The Holy Spirit's never going to spark revival in your heart. You're going to sit there like a bump on a log. You've got to let go of what you know. You've got to say, Lord, I'm just coming like an empty cup. I'm just coming with my hands empty here. And I just, Lord, I, I want you to just stir in my heart. I need a revival. I need a stirring. I need a, a, a passion and embrace of the Savior today. I just need to know that you love me, and I want to t- tell you I love you, and that's it. And I'm not coming with any other agenda. Come on, somebody say amen. That's how it happens, folks. It doesn't happen because we got it figured out, and we got the formula, and we know how to do it. Let me tell you, there's a whole lot we don't know how to do. And God knows exactly how to stir things up in your heart and in this church and in my life, in your life. And God knows how to make you happy again. God knows how to make you smile. God knows how to let you realize, hey, i got problems in life. But you know what? I know I can leave them at the feet of the Savior and He can restore the joy of the Lord in my heart. Oh, that's what, that's what God wants. He doesn't want you to say, all right, got to do this, i got to do that, i got to do something else. God doesn't operate by our lists. God operates sovereignly. Let Him do it. But don't come with your arm or your basket full and say, Lord, you've got to do this and you've got to do something else. We think God's got to always operate inside the box. I'll tell you what, God doesn't, He, he's, he's have, he, he doesn't even know there is one. Let Him operate. Let Him have His way. We always sing that and say that. Let Him have His way. Let Him, let him loose. Let Him loose in your life. Let Him loose in your thinking. Don't come with stuff you know. Come with what you don't know. Come with your hands empty and say, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do tomorrow. I, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what our crazy government's going to do. And you know what? I don't care as long as I'm in your hands. I don't care as long as you hold my hand. I don't care as long as you've got the reins of the bride of Christ. And Lord, I just, I just need your presence to be very near to my life. That's all. That's all you've got to do. You don't need to have a brain full of stuff. Isaiah. One more scripture. Isaiah 58. Last scripture. This is the mountain thing. Hang on. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Show my people their transgression, the house of, the, of Jacob their sins. Isaiah, you're going to preach like a trumpet this morning, he says. I want you to say this loud. Say it clear, because trumpets are not obscure. They're not passive, right? Trumpets are not. Trumpets are kind of in your face. And that's how I want you to say this to Israel. Yet ye seek me daily, and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness, past tense, and forsook not the ordinance of their God, they ask of me the ordinance of justice and take delight in approaching God. And wherefore have we fasted, say they? Haven't you seen? Lord, we've, we've, we've fasted. Haven't you seen it? Haven't you seen what we put ourselves through to serve you? Haven't we sacrificed? Lord, hello, do you see me? Do, do you see what a great person I am, Really? Let's read on. Behold, in the day of your fast, your fast, ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast 
for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. And ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Is not such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? That's not the kind of fast I give. When I, give a, when I encourage somebody to fast, it is for them to afflict their soul, to humble themselves. But here you're saying you're fasting for wickedness and debate. Who's the more spiritual one among us after all? Who, who's been in this church longer? And, and this is what God wants Isaiah to tell him. Seven. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast to thy house? And when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hidest not thyself from thine own flesh? God says, in all of these things you're doing, he says, you really don't care about the hungry and the homeless and the, the poorer people among you. He says, you really don't care. But he says in verse 9, he begins to turn around. Now, remember now, he tells Isaiah, I'm going to anoint you to get the people's attention because I really want them to hear this. But he says in 9, thou shalt call and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry and he shall say, here I am. If thou take away from the midst of the, the yoke and the putting forth of the finger and speak in vanity. In other words, if you'll stop blaming everyone for your problems, and you'll put away vanity and see how great of a singer I really am. Where would this congregation be if it wasn't me playing the drums or the piano? Sorry. What a great minister I am. And you know what? This church wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for me. You know what? None of these people are saying these things out loud. But God hears them as though they were. Right? And so he says to them, And if thou draw out ten, if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shalt thou shalt thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness be as a noonday. And, in other words, if you amend your ways here and you begin to have a little compassion and a little mercy instead of pride, and instead of trying to get the attention focused on yourself, you help people that really needed help. And if you, if you kind of got rid of that inflated idea of your own self-importance, then you know what? I might be able, I just might be, I might be able to do something with you. If you just stop thinking how great you are and look around and look at, look at other people. Sister Kristen gave us this prayer request this morning. I read it. I had to read it again. I had to read it again. Sometimes you think you had a bad day because you came in here and somebody was sitting in your pew. And here's a family has a boy with a cracked skull in the hospital in a, in a coma and a husband with brain cancer and just experienced a miscarriage last week and someone sitting in your pew telling my wife the other day, I went to a business in Christiansburg that we often go to, and you know, we've been there, going there for years. And uh, a guy was there, and he was uh, going to fix something for me. He had a piece of electronic equipment, and he was going to fix it for me. And, and uh, as, I, as I gave him, it was a projector, and as I gave it to him, he was closing the bag, and his hand was shaking like this, just shaking like a leaf. 
And I was watching him, and I said, let me do that. Let me do that for you. And I, I zipped it up for him. He said, sorry. He said, I've been here really late last night. He said, I only had a couple hours of sleep. I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah. He said, I, my wife and I run this business. And he said, she's had some obscure form of cancer for the last year and a half, and she's been uh, doing chemotherapy. And he said, uh, we, during 2020, he said, we just about lost our business. He said, we, we didn't have enough food, uh, almost you know, money to buy food to eat. And he said, she was in chemotherapy. And he said, it's just been a hard year. And he said, we're just starting to come back again. He says, just me. I got to do everything. I got to answer the phone. I got to, uh, you know, uh, fix everything and do all the repairs and everything else. And, and he said, I, I never got any sleep last night. And that's why his hand was shaking. I was thinking, wow. And here's God saying to the children of Israel, <clears throat> you fast because you want to debate people about how spiritual you are. You, you, have, you have, kind of have this idea, this inflated idea, well, <laughs> we're the Jews. And God told Isaiah that morning, he said, speak like a trumpet in the church and say this to the people. I don't care. Because you've missed the whole point. Let me tell you what the point is. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's not because you want to always be right. And it's not because you want to prove who's more spiritual or whatever else. Or you want to push your point because you, uh, you, know, you, have a, you have an argument that you want to win or something else. God says, hey, that's not what this is about, really. But he does say this. Okay, and I want to leave you with this here. He, he, he leaves them with this. If you'll draw out your soul to help folks and to show mercy. Eleven. The Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make, thy, make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and, not, and like a spring whose waters fail not. And they shall be of thee, shall build the old waste places and they shall raise up foundations of many generations. And they shall, thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer. Didn't God say in Psalm 23, David said, he restoreth my soul. God restores. When you see somebody who's hurting or somebody who's broken down, we're going to do what we can to restore them. You know what that is? That's an expression of Christ. That's God acting through his word he put in you to express Christ or project Christ to somebody who's broken. We're going to restore. 13. And if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from uh, doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and thou shalt honor him this way, folks. If thou shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, not finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thy words, thou shalt delight thyself in the Lord, and I'll cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob. I'll cause you, I'll cause you to overcome every single obstacle you have in your life. I'll cause you to ride right over the high places of the earth. I'll, I'll bring you over every wave. I'll bring you over every mountain. You know what all this depends upon? This depends upon what's going on right here. He doesn't say you need to cross the world with carrying a cross. He doesn't say that you need to give away all your money. He's just saying, you know what? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 
Because this is based on love. This is based on, you know, f- faith in God who hears and sees and understands and watches what you're going through and knows the decisions that you have to make and knows the sicknesses that you're dealing with today and knows the problems that are going on in your households and knows the burdens that single people have today in choosing somebody who would be the perfect will of God. That's not easy today. That's not easy today. That's a tough thing. And, you know, to be able to walk in the perfect will of God and live your life in a way that's in, a, in accordance with his will so he can say at the end of your life, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know what? Let me just say this. You don't, you don't want to take this. I, I, I'm, I'm giving you a little piece of pastoral advice here. You don't want to take the reins into your own hands. You, you don't want to say, I, Pastor, thanks, I, but I can do this. I got this. You don't, you don't want to do that. You want, to, you want to find out who's got the almonds. Who's got almonds? Not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you need to dedicate yourself to me. That would be inappropriate, and that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you need to find out the source that God's using to channel his resurrection word to you and submit to that. Then it's not the guy with the rod. It's the God who resurrected the rod that we're submitting ourselves to, right? Because guess what? I've got to submit myself to him too because I don't even know what to say unless he tells me. We don't know what to hear unless he tells you. This will work when we let God work. This will work. It'll come out right when God has his way. It'll, 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 and God says, hey, I'll be with you. I'll see you through. I'll get you over the high places of the earth. He said you'll be like a well-watered garden. You'll have... You'll have uh, fruits in the garden. Let me tell you, it's going it, to be a beautiful thing. When your attitude shifts from the first part of this chapter to the last part of the chapter. And you stop thinking how great you are, in your own opinion. And just think, you're here because somebody loved you more than life itself and died and died that you might be forgiven. Die that you might walk in harmony with him. This is not based on conduct. This is based on love. And if you love me, Jesus said, you'll keep my commandments. Sister Becky, if you'd just slip up here. Musicians, if you could just kind of make your way to the front here. He says, I'll guide you. And what does he say? I'll guide you continually. Continually means... All the time. Continually means from the beginning of the journey till you take your seat at the wedding supper. I think in heaven we won't need a guide because we're not going to be going anywhere. We're going to be there. And we're not going to be traveling, moving from place to place. We're we're not going to be like the children of Israel uh, and you're not going to be like a homeschool family just going everywhere. You're just going to be there. But until we get there, you're going to be needing a guide continually. And you know what he promised? That he'd be with you continually. How much better does it get? I mean, what else do you want? But he says, don't, don't fast to create debates. Don't, don't get this idea that God needs me. 
He really needs me because this church wouldn't be anything without me. Don't get that idea. God's got a will for your life. God's got a plan. Seek him while he might be found. And in the meantime, enjoy the feast. Because didn't he say in Psalms 23, I'll spread a table in the midst of your enemies. But all the things going on in the world around us, when you look around, God's got a great feast spread for his, for his own. We should enjoy the things that God serves up for us, the things that God gives us. He has good things in store for his people. He said, I'll guide you continually. I'll see you through. I'll bring you all the way. I'll bring you over the high places in the world. Let's stand to our feet.
sing it again. Sing it one more time now. If you need prayer, I'd be glad to pray with you this morning, whatever your need is. Open our eyes, dear Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Because we want to see Jesus.
shall always be our song of praise. For it was grace that got us here. And I believe it'll be grace that brings us home. It's the grace of God in your life that checks us. It checks how we think. It adjusts how we're moving and how we're, how we're navigating through life. It's the grace of God that does that. If it was up to you, you'd go down the path you chose. But amazing grace steps in and just checks that and helps you realize, you know what? My choices always haven't been the best. Be adjust. That's the grace of God in your life. You know what that, that is? That's God saying, I want you to make it. I don't want you to lose the way. I want you to make it, buddy. Wake up. Amazing grace shall always be my song.
just thank you, Lord, for your presence among us and how sweet a thing it is. May we never, ever presume to make interpretations of things that only you know. May we never, ever run ahead of you. And Lord, may there be nothing in us that wants to replace the knowledge of God with our own personal understanding. Guide us, I pray. Guide us, Lord, these last few steps of the journey. Guide us in your will. And Father God, we'll give you thanks and praise. Minister to those who are sick and those who are reaching out to you now. Those that are here in the assembly, Lord, that need your touch. Those that are listening, Lord, who may also need a touch. I commit them to you. Watch over your people. Guide us continually. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. unto me according to thy word. We'll sing a little chorus as we leave today. If you want to worship just a little bit, you're certainly welcome to, to stay. Be it unto me according to thy word. God bless you. According to your promise I can stand secure sets me.